Immediately following the service, there will be uh, a luncheon at the uh, village church in the community room back behind the sanctuary. And the family would love for you to join them in the meal if you're able to do so. Let me invite you to stand as we sing together our opening hymn.
Thank you. You may be seated. It's my privilege also to welcome you here to Wesley Chapel this afternoon for this solemn occasion. We're very, very thankful that Bonnie was a part of the Houghton community for so many years, and especially as a student at our college where she so often attended chapel services here in this space and in this space where she received her diploma last May. The whole college is mourning Bonnie's loss, and we're very thankful that so much of her legacy lies in the impact that she had on so many fellow students and faculty and staff and administrators here. Would you now join me in a moment of prayer, asking God to be present with us? Gracious God, we pray for your presence among us this afternoon, and we pray that you'd make us sensitive to the ways in which you're already here. We know, O oh God, that all life is a gift from you, uh, even when it ends too soon, even when it leaves us with questions and grief and pain. And since it is a gift from you, we thank you for the gift of Bonnie's life. We thank you for sharing her sweet spirit and her presence with us. I especially thank you for all she meant and all she means to this place and to this people. We pray that you will be with us as we gather to worship you and as we gather to remember her. We pray that you would comfort us and help us to discern your loving hand even in the midst of this tragedy and our grief. We ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Psalm 116. I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. Because he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came upon me. I was overcome by trouble and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, save me. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the simple-hearted. When I was in great need, he saved me. Be at rest once more, O my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For you, O Lord, have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believe, therefore I said, I am greatly afflicted, and in my dismay I said, all men are liars. How can I repay the Lord for all his goodness to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation. I will call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Oh 
few moments, we're going to uh, give you the opportunity to share uh, a brief reflection, a brief memory about your, uh, your experiences with Bonnie. And uh, before we do that, though, there are a few folks who are, are going to share for us about um, their life with Bonnie and how she impacted them and their life. My name is Abby Mann. I've known Bonnie all of my life, and she has been the best friend I've ever had. I've never met anyone like her, and I don't think I ever will. She is one of a kind and has left handprints on my life that will never leave me. I know that her honesty, loyalty, and gift of encouragement, all traits of a true friend, have impacted those around her just as she has impacted me. Bonnie and I have been best friends since before I can remember. Only God could have ordained our friendship. We were born nine days apart, and he led our parents to serve in the same town in West Africa. We first met each other when we were four years old and were together in a mom's group. After this first encounter, I went to school in Ross, Nigeria with Bonnie all the way through seventh grade. I have had many wonderful memories, child memories of Bonnie, many of these involving playing with our toys, climbing trees, and playing make-believe. Since then, besides weekly emails and occasional phone calls, Bonnie and I traveled to visit each other every other year, almost every year. The Szymanskis would always join us for all our holidays in Nigeria. One of my favorite memories is celebrating Christmas with their family. We'd go over to one of their houses, eat a meal together. Bonnie and I would exchange gifts, and then we'd play with our gifts. These are very special times because they've always been a part of my family. I would not be the same today if I didn't know Bonnie. She has always been such a good friend to me when others decided not to develop our friendship so deeply. Our friendship expanded even more out of school as she was always there to talk about things I wouldn't talk about with other friends. She knew me so well and could always cheer me up when I was feeling down. She was always there to do fun things with, and we would have fun in the most boring places just because we had each other. 
One story of how she's such a good friend happened in fifth grade. Our class was very cliquish, and this meant certain people were left out and had their feelings hurt. There was one girl that we left out a lot that Bonnie and I would try to include in our games we played. We also strove to get the girls, the rest of the girls that would normally go off and do their own things to play games together. Even though Bonnie and I did this together, if it wasn't for her, I don't know if I would have had the courage to step out of my comfort zone and do the right thing. Our classmates growing up have always been very close, and several of our classmates recently shared memories of how Bonnie was special to them. This first one is written by the same girl Bonnie reached out to in fifth grade. I always remember you as such a lovely, happy, warm person, and that was when we were just eight years old. She never had a mean thing to say, and she was such a sweet friend and so pleasant and encouraging to be around. Her joy, graciousness, courage, determination, and strength is not only an inspiration to others, but an amazing testimony to your personal relationship with our Lord. You are such a kind-hearted person with such a beautiful smile. She is such a peaceful and loving spirit. I remember back in 2002 or so, I got two guinea pigs from Michelle. I knew that Bonnie was disappointed because she was next in line, would have to wait for months. So I gave her one of them. I was so glad I did because she was so happy and loved it so deeply. Every time I saw her with it, I could see how much that little animal was loved. It really showed her heart. She was always so sweet to everyone. She cared about people, animals, and everything God made. I know God loves her and has a special place for her and his. Often as missionary kids, we do not have one place to call home. But it's incredible to think about how we are not meant to be too attached to this world. Because we are meant for one so much greater. In some ways... It is easier for missionary kids to understand this because we feel so restless here on earth. I am thankful that I have this feeling because it reminds me daily of how there is something so much greater waiting for us in heaven. I never want to feel too attached to this world, but always be prepared to meet him as we do not know the day or the hour. I rest in the knowledge that our lives are fleeting and my time with Bonnie, we meet again, will last forever. We have always told each other we are best friends forever. How true that is. Thank you. This afternoon, I'd like to speak briefly about Bonnie's name. According to babynames.com, her name means fine, attractive, beautiful, fair, cheerful, or pleasant. The dictionary says the word Bonnie comes from the Scottish, but that it is also a diminutive of the French word bon, meaning good. Using the letters of her name, I'll share why I think the definition of the word Bonnie is also a description of her character. B. Bibliophile. Bonnie was a lover of books and libraries, and that's how we became friends when Bonnie began attending Houghton Academy where I was the librarian. First in study halls, and then on her own time, she would come in and talk. We shared a love of C.S. Lewis and his Narnia stories, but we also talked about life in general. 
I soon looked forward to her cheerful presence and lovely smile. Oh, open-handed. Bonnie was open-handed, generous, and kind. She loved to give gifts. She gave me this lovely necklace from Nigeria, I believe, but maybe Tanzania. This bag that I use all the time for my church library committee materials. But most precious of all, she recently gave me this charm for my keychain that has my name on it. But she offered me gifts of help as well in school. She helped me with tedious chores such as doing inventories, dusting bookshelves, or stamping books. Bonnie was open-handed in her friendship to others as well at the academy, so loving to all. In this trade, she reminds me most of her wonderful parents. N. Natural. Bonnie was unaffected. She didn't belong to a group or a clique. She wasn't pretentious, self-absorbed, or self-conscious, and her style was unique. African dresses, skirts, pigtails, or African braids, and flip-flops, even in winter. I remember telling her that she would get frostbitten toes, but she just smiled and said she didn't really feel the cold. N, nice. She was nice, nice to everybody. I never heard her say an unkind word. She was always helpful, obedient, and good. And as a very busy Houghton College student, she even volunteered to be part of the Houghton Church Library Committee. It was so exciting to have a young person show an interest in the library and join our not-so-young group. Innocent, I. Bonnie had an innocence that at times made her seem younger than her years, but was truly beautiful to see. My husband's father taught Latin and Greek at Houghton College, and I once heard him say that the sellers of clay pots in the ancient markets would call out to potential buyers, telling them that their pots were sincere or without wax. Wax used to cover up blemishes or cracks. Bonnie was sincere, always displaying her true character, and that character was pure, innocent, and good. E, entertaining. Bonnie had more than a sweet smile and a lovely personality. She was funny and talented as well. She wasn't afraid to poke fun at herself in programs at school, and no one who saw the Academy's production of the Cinderella musical will ever forget her wonderful and humorous performance as the fairy godmother or her sweet voice. One more letter. Bonnie's last name begins with the letter S. S for servant. All the lovely attributes that she displayed in her short life remind me of another young woman who lived over 2,000 years ago. A servant and handmaiden of the Lord, 
whose life was also turned upside down. The secret of the loveliness of Bonnie and Mary, the mother of Jesus, is the reflected beauty of the Lord that they loved, served, obeyed, and glorified with their lives. Truly, her soul magnifies the Lord, and her spirit rejoices in God her Savior. Bonnie was Bonnie, beautiful in every way. Was any young woman so appropriately named? I don't have props. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Thank you for the honor of sharing a few of Bonnie's memories of Bonnie's college years. As you've already heard, everyone has similar recollections. Bonnie was ready, serious, organized, and yet adventurous, joyous, and transparent. Her history professor shares... She was a first-rate student, always prepared to discuss readings, thoroughly researching her papers, eager to learn with a sparkle in in her eye, driven by her sense of humor. He says, I never had to worry about any of my jokes falling flat when Bonnie was in class. She was always there, both getting the joke and roaring with laughter. Bonnie selected a major in intercultural studies with a concentration in missions and a history minor. So I had the privilege of being her academic advisor for four years and a teacher, and I tried to calculate for at least 300 hours of class, most of them at 8 o'clock in the morning. Missions students are dedicated. She was always on the front row, often the first to arrive early, upbeat, and assignments and preparations always on time. She brought wit, vitality, and energy to the room, frequently drawing little sketches to enhance her concentration and overcoming her learning challenges. Bonnie kept me on my toes in a chipper kind of way. If a test was approaching and I hadn't provided the instructions or a study sheet, she was quick to remind me that the class was waiting for them Or she'd email me a question. Hello, Mr. Shea. I just had a quick question regarding our case study assignment on the leopard tamed. Under several of your Roman numerals, you list a number of questions and topics. Do you want us to hit upon each and every one of those questions? I am already on my third page, even having cut a lot out, and I have not been able to discuss everything that you've listed. I guess what I am saying is, help. Thank you very much. I got lots of those. (laughs) When paper grading lingered a little too long, Bonnie was usually the first, with her lilting voice, to ask, Are our papers done yet? She knew the syllabus better than I did. Early on, I jokingly told her that if she would sign up as my executive assistant, I could be teacher of the year. Sometimes it seemed like Bonnie must have been taking 20 hours of credit instead of 
the 15 or 16, because she trudged down to campus with the largest and heaviest backpack that I've ever seen. She had a way of gliding around the fourth floor of Chamberlain in a colorful, graceful way, distributing her melodious greetings, even in the midst of normal and later on extraordinary stress. I never heard a negative word. As you know, Bonnie craved knowledge and adventure, studying abroad four different times in Costa Rica and Moroccan May terms, a summer archaeological dig in Israel, and the Tanzania semester, none of which I would have predicted when I first met her. She took voice lessons and sang in the women's choir, and she contributed as a student worker with custodial and library jobs. My wife totally enjoyed many a Friday night library closed down with Bonnie's cheerful assistance. Her parents supported her all the way, which raises one of Bonnie's greatest passions, analyzing third culture kid transitions. That was the topic of her senior capstone research, where she demonstrated that parental attitude and role are critical to healthy adjustment. Now she can care, compare notes with the father of TCK adjustments, Dave Pollack himself. Praises to Jim and Karen for your love and care, and also for allowing Bonnie to throw herself into her college adventures. Our most remarkable chapter was the successful completion of her last semester while suffering the initial stages of cancer. She had every reason to throw in the towel and concentrate on getting well. Not Bonnie. She persevered and finished all her requirements. In February, during senior seminar, which I was in charge of, she emailed, Hi there, Dr. Shea. The MRI went well, found a small mass in my brain that is pressing on the nerve that controls some of the movement to my left eye, hence the double vision. Probably going to Rochester again this week. On top of having double vision, I came down with a glorious sore throat and sniffles yesterday. So my brain really is not working well today. I will do what I can on the final research design draft, but if it does not get done by Monday, can I get it done to you by Wednesday? Bonnie. She conquered. What a thrilling and well-earned moment in May when Bonnie walked on stage to receive her BA degree, summa cum laude. We deeply miss Bonnie, but rejoice that she has met the Lord whom she so obviously loved. And I can imagine her on the front row of Heavenly Transitions 101, <laughs> helping St. Peter keep his syllabus straight so that the course is even better when you and I get there. I've been asked to add a few notes from professors Eli and Linda Knapp, who are in Tanzania, and who with the Aronsons two years ago had the joy of sharing the Tanzania experience with Bonnie. Now, I had edited this, but Karen and Jim said, nope, you've got to read quite a bit of it. So I'm on borrowed time. How do they do it in Senate? But anyway, let's see if I can find my page here. Well, I'm in trouble. because Dr. Knapp, Dr. Knapp's comments are not here. I'm sorry. I don't know what happened. 
I will read you Linda's. Dr. Knapp had some wonderful comments about Bonnie studying along the river in, in, at Masumbo for tests, walking, and uh, she'd wear a blue dress and a big, wide, grim white hat, and it created quite a scene, and he loved that. He also shared how that for the biweekly meetings they'd have in their, their little uh, house, Bonnie always arrived early and offered to clean the house for them, which Eli said needed to be done because their kids wrecked havoc on the house. A real sign of her servanthood, which some have already talked about. What Linda shares, uh, that's my daughter Linda, one of the professors. One memory of how Bonnie simply knew how to love in the most profound ways. After a couple weeks into our program, she told me that she was missing her mom greatly, particularly her mom's hugs. Realizing her need for tangible and tactile expressions of love, I would give Bonnie a hug about once a day. She gave the best hugs. They were strong, all enveloping, and never short. It was usually the first thing in the morning. As I saw her walking across the field to get breakfast, I could see the smile on her face and watch her eyes light up when she saw me. Arms outstretched, she came for her daily embrace. In those moments, I thought I was the one serving her, giving her the embrace. But in the, in the end, it was her giving it to me, the gift of herself. How rarely we humans are willing to show our vulner vulnerability, to admit our need for others or our need to be loved. We hide behind our walls of false security, pride, ultimately afraid that someone will realize just how small or scared or lonely we truly are. But Bonnie, she was different. She was able to clearly say, I miss my mom. I need you to step up and love me. What I would give for one of those hugs now. And the second memory comes from the day we picked up our students after their intense week-long homestay in the rural Tanzanian villages. After the tiring week, we immediately drove to Matema, Matema, somebody tell me, a beautiful place where the Livingston Mountains plunge into the deep waters of Lake Malawi. Here we would debrief the lessons learned from the previous seven days. I remember watching as the students piled out of the trucks, hot and exhausted. In that moment, Bonnie did the most unexpected thing. As everyone else milled about talking or searching for their rooms, she stepped out of the truck, her two braids in place, dropped her bags on the sand, and sprinted down the sandy beach towards the water's edge. Without a moment's hesitation and still dressed in all her clothes, she raised her arms and plunged into the waves. It was a moment of pure joy, relief, and restoration. She had completed the hardest of weeks, and she celebrated by dipping into the refreshing waters. Soon the rest of the students followed, racing into the water after her, full of shouts and laughter. What a beautiful picture of the way that Bonnie lived and finished her life on earth. She simply was the first one to plunge in without doubt or worry or fear, and in that moment of certainty, she found the refreshing cool waters. She had blazed a trail ahead of us into heaven, not looking back, knowing she gave it her all, knowing that the moment ahead 
would bring relief and pure joy. Please join us again as we sing together.
going to give you the opportunity now to share uh, your reflections, your memories. If you can, I'm going to ask you to come down to the front to the microphone, and that will just help everyone to be able to hear better. But we would love, and the family would love, to hear um, a brief memory you have, a reflection you may have of, uh, of your life with Bonnie. next door neighbor to the Zawelskis. And uh, we've done a lot of things together. And uh, some of the things that I do is I like to do theater. And I was doing a play with church. I was doing Ansylvania. And um, I was looking for some costumes. So I asked Karen and Bonnie if they would go with me to Salvation Army. And I didn't find any outfits for the play, but I found a coat for me. <laughs> and Bonnie found an outfit. Bonnie found the most beautiful pink long prom dress that fit her. And she came out with it on. And from that point on, I called her Princess Bonnie. And Princess Bonnie always said, yes, ma'am, no matter what I said. Yes, ma'am. One of the things that I will always remember and learn from Bonnie was the tremendous care that she had for her parents. Also, the care that she had for a stubborn tree that grew between our homes. It was an old crab apple tree that had very sharp thorns. Well, I think finally last summer she dug it out. So, um, but Bonnie also cared for her parents with a care that I've never seen a child care for. I remember one time that Jim was going to go on a trip. I think he was going to do some deputation at some church. And Bonnie says, Dad, you cannot go alone. You don't want to fall asleep. I need to go with you. And she just said, I'm going to go with him. I'm going to go with him. And with Karen, Mom, I'll do that. I'll do that. Don't worry. I'll do that. And in the last few months... I would go visit just, just to, to keep touch. And on the couch, Bonnie would be talking to me and working very diligently and having some outfits finished for some Barbie dolls that she was going to give her nieces. And she would lean against Karen, wanting the touch of Karen. And having that lovingness just lean on her. And I can just see her leaning in heaven, just getting a hug there. 
And I pray that I can be ready like Bonnie was. Thank you all very much for coming. She is having a celebration, and she indeed is Princess Bonnie. I met Annie, and many of you far and wide know, know who Annie is from Bonnie. And some of my precious memories in the last couple months of visiting her almost every week, um, people talked about how Bonnie loved to give gifts. And we had not had a chance to exchange our Christmas gifts but on one visit, I was, I was asked to take them home to Ithaca because they didn't have room in their house for this big box of gifts. And just before Valentine's Day, when Bonnie's health was declining quickly, I decided I needed to take my kids out of school and go see her while she could still talk to them. And so on a Tuesday before Valentine's Day, I loaded the kids in the car and all these presents and we drove up to Rochester, and we got to the desk where Jim had told us to park, and the woman at the desk said, where are you going? With my five-year-old, my seven-year-old, and my 11-year-old, and gifts, and Wendy's hamburgers, and milkshakes. And I said, well, she had just been moved into a floor that they were joking was the penthouse suite because it had a great view. And I said, well, I'm going to the penthouse suite. And she said, well, don't you know there's a flu epidemic in Rochester and no children under 18 are allowed in? And I just breathed a deep sigh and said, Lord, this can't be. We came all this way. The kids would be so upset. And so when she called the cancer floor, they said, oh, it's okay. It's not valid on the cancer floor. You can go up. And just as we arrived there, six or eight women from the rehab floor had already gotten there and were busy giving her valentines. She had spent two weeks in this unit and they had come to celebrate Valentine's Day. And her room was being decorated. They had given her pink blankets and pink doggies and pink neck uh, pillows and blankets. And in the midst of that, um, we ate Wendy's and my kids opened present after present that Bonnie and Abby had helped wrap for them. And Bonnie, uh, my little Ruthie had been asking me all through Christmas, do you think I'll ever get a Barbie? And I knew I had nudged Bonnie at Thanksgiving that Ruthie really wanted a Barbie. And so I knew that she was working on clothes that she crocheted and beaded for Ruthie. So I kept saying, maybe someday. So in the midst of all the presents that the kids got that day, there were several Barbies with beautiful beaded dresses that Ruthie was really excited to get. And um, all kinds of fun cars, things for Daniel. And I don't remember what you got. <laughs> books, books for Abigail. Um, and so I'm so excited that my kids have that as their final memory of their final visit with Bonnie. 
And I feel really honored because I spent about the last 24 hours with her in the hospital. I had gone up and said I would stay the night so Karen and Jim could go back and sleep. And we had a couple very humorous conversations, um, even though it was really hard for Bonnie to communicate. And at one in the morning, after we had both slept for a couple hours, she was awake and, and not feeling very well. And after getting nurses and trying to get her a little more comfortable, I finally was able to understand what she was telling me. And I was sleeping in the chair next to her, and her radiator was full of stuffed animals that people had sent and given her. And she said to me, you need a friend to sleep with you. And so I went and got the, the pink doggy that the rehab ladies had given her, and I, I slept with him the rest of the night. And um, I'm just so thankful for her life. And I, up until the last hours she could talk, she was worried about me. Thank you. Again, I'm, I'm thrilled that you all came. And uh, My name is Janet Neiman. I'm from the Buffalo area, from Chicktawaga. And I've known Bonnie since she's a really little girl. I was even privileged to do her high school graduation party uh, and things like that for her. And when I think of Bonnie, I think of somebody sincere. Sincere in her love for the Lord. Sincere in her desire to be a missionary and sincere in just her relationship with her parents. The relationship that Karen and Jim and Bonnie had over the years, even when Bonnie was little, and most many of my memories go back to very early years with Bonnie. She was just, they were just so close, just such a, a loving and marvelous family. And I, I never heard Bonnie complain, but I did hear about one thing that she complained about. They don't have good cheese in Nigeria. <laughs> and so before they went back to Nigeria on one of their trips, I got a list. And Bonnie made sure that on that list was cheese, because Velveeta cheese does not have to be refrigerated. And they didn't have a refrigerator going uh, like we do 24 hours a day. Pepperoni does not have to be refrigerated. And so I went to Sam's Club in Chicktawaga and bought 40 or 50 pounds of Velveeta cheese and 10 or 12 sticks of pepperoni, and we sent a case of tuna fish with them. And I can still remember the checkout lady saying, are you having a very big party? And I got to share Bonnie's love of Nigeria, but um, that's the only thing I ever heard her complain about. And I was glad I could send back Velveeta cheese. And it's just a, a funny memory. But, you know, it's something that you realize out of all. She could have said a million different things. You know, I'm leaving home, that, that, all these things. They don't have good cheese in Nigeria. And I love Bonnie with all my heart.
see if I can take this off because I'm hoping to sing. There we go. Now what I'm going to share is not actually a memory with Bonnie, but I think it's something that she would like me to share. Uh, as I was driving in from Syracuse, the Lord laid some verses on my heart that I thought could bring encouragement to Mr. and Mrs. Zemanski. And Bonnie was ever the encourager. And I think that she would appreciate that. I know, we'll see if I can sing after this. <laughs> I know the Lord, the Lord blessed you with motherhood and with fatherhood with Bonnie. And I want to reassure you, you are still a mother. And you are still a father, and Bonnie is waiting for you. <laughs> okay, here goes. You are wonderful parents, though it may seem that job's been taken away. You are wonderful parents, as any child who's come your way would say. You are wonderful parents, though it may seem that gifts been taken from you. You are wonderful parents, as anyone who set foot in your house would tell you. You are wonderful parents, though the Lord has chosen to carry your daughter away. You are wonderful parents, be reassured that you'll see her again one day. You have a wonderful daughter, I think the Lord just wanted her by his throne. You have a wonderful daughter, she sends her love, she's happy to be your darling Bonnie, she sends her love. She's happy to be This is um, for the tall people to use. <laughs> um, I'm just a friend of Karen, and I just go to the same quilting group that Karen does. And um, But I just really wanted to be with him as much as I could be the last few weeks, so I went up to visit with a number of people. And I have um, a bunch of kids, and we're with missions, so we understand what missionary kids are like. And I was amazed at how Bonnie kept acting like she was really happy to see me. And she doesn't know me. And I know that Bonnie has a whole lot of adults coming through her life and always has. And she always made me feel like she was really happy that I came to visit her. And that's really a wonderful about her. And I just really think I want to tell you guys what happened on Saturday afternoon when I was there. And it was it was hard to understand exactly what she was saying all the time because um, she was be talking, but her voice wouldn't come out. And finally, we under, uh, another friend was visiting who worked at um, Houghton College Library. And we finally understood that Bonnie was telling her 
talking about a man who had moved on to take another job in a, another local library. And Bonnie said, I want his job. <laughs> this is like 24 hours before God calls her home. And she knew that there was a big likelihood that, that God was calling her home. But she was at peace. She was happy. She was happy whether that was what was going to happen. And if it wasn't, she knew what she wanted to do here. And I just say congratulations, Jim and Karen, for having such a wonderful daughter. And we, a lot of us, made a promise to your daughter that um, we're going to be there for you guys. And we don't know, you know, we have no way to know how God can minister to you in the next months ahead. But we are praying for you, and we love you guys. My nest. Uh, Bonnie gave. I, I'm Sonia. I was Bonnie's home care nurse. Um, I also had the privilege of working with Dr. Jennifer Mulberry when uh, Dr. Mulberry was doing her residency in pediatrics. Who then on, went on, got bored with the children. I don't know. Just kidding. But uh, she went on for another residency, and uh, she was Bonnie's neuro oncologist. And she actually came down today, uh, as, as did her nurse practitioner. Um, just goes to show certainly a testimony to Bonnie, you know, what she, from the moment I met her, I just felt like I had known her my whole life. I didn't really have an opportunity to, to be with Bonnie that long, but it, it felt like I knew her from the day she was born. She just, she made me feel special and what a testament to her. I mean, she was the one suffering through what she was and she didn't let you know she was suffering. She never never once complained about pain. Okay, the dry eye occasionally bugged the crap out of her, but uh, she did not like the dry eye, but um, she would put drops in, and we had the most beautiful talk right before she went back into the hospital for the last time, and I I could see that Bonnie was really getting down, and uh, we just had the nicest talk about just grieving, and I said, Bonnie, are you scared? And she said she wasn't scared. And I, you know, we, we talked about the whole grieving process, and Karen finally was able to help her put it in perspective to when she had to leave Nigeria and how sad she was and what a horrible grieving process it was to leave her family and f- her friends and everything and, and how she came to accept that and know that she was with other people. And, and uh, in her time before she went back to Strong, she and I had a beautiful, beautiful conversation about that. I've... I've been a nurse for 22 years, um, 18 of them at Strong, until I came to this job. And thank God, I have all my 18 years up there was pediatrics. I have had the pleasure, and people look at me like I'm crazy, I've had the pleasure of taking care of several children who have walked in Bonnie's shoes. And I say the pleasure because not one child that I have ever taken care of who has died from cancer or cystic fibrosis or whatever they've died of, didn't do it without a faith. And I don't know how anybody could do it without a faith. It just terrifies me to think of somebody, how lonely it must be. And Bonnie did not seem afraid. I think Bonnie knew what was coming, uh, but she just always, Bonnie, how you doing? I'm fine. Is there anything I can do for you? No, ma'am. Or yes, ma'am. Everything was ma'am. And uh, just the southern hospitality from way down south in Tanzania, Nigeria. But uh, um, she just, 
I have a Barbie dress at home that I bought from her or uh, I, pot holders I got out last night. It was my Christmas gift from her. I, she wouldn't take anything for him. I was like, Bonnie, I'm not supposed to take a gift. And she goes, well, just tell me you bought it from me. So I did buy him from her. <laughs> if anybody else is here from the Visiting Nurse Association, I really did buy him. Checks in the mail, Jim and Karen. Um, <laughs> but uh, I will never forget Bonnie. She was just a trooper and certainly a testament to the parenting that you did for her and I will always laugh about the TV that her aunt gave her for Christmas. It was one of those smart TVs. I didn't know what a smart TV was either. But uh, it just sat in the box for a few weeks. And Bonnie looked at me one day, and all of her innocence, she goes, we're just not smart enough to figure it out. (laughs) She was waiting for her aunt to set it up. So I'm glad that you finally did. So, uh, But thank you again. And, you know, she certainly is whole again, as that last paragraph says on the back page. intellectual and I go by Dr. Petrillo to many people but to Bonnie I was Uncle Tony and uh, I don't have a lot to say except for she taught me a lot more than I ever taught her because she lived Christ childlike faith I'd like to be more like that Karen and Jim have to say, you know, I've only had a chance since Bonnie's diagnosis to get to really know her. But as everybody's already said, I got to know Bonnie as everybody's described her. I mean, she was one of my wonderful patients who never had a negative thing to ever say. Came in there smiling every day. Whatever I said to her, she'd be like, yes, ma'am, you're the doctor, whatever you say. There were some things she didn't want to do, but she'd just say it nicely and be like, oh, Yes, ma'am, if you're saying so. She'll always have a place in my heart, and I think you guys are wonderful, and I'll never forget her. And this is really why I do what I do. to college with Bonnie. She was two years behind me, but we were in the same major, so I saw a lot of her. And we went to Morocco together for our May term and spent many, many hours in the markets, on the bus, just walking around, chasing Dr. Little through the marketplace, anywhere we could find. And one evening we had hired a group to take us out to a Berber camp in the Sahara. So we were all on camels and we rode out watched the sunset, got to our camp, the sun went down, the moon came up, we had dinner, it was all lovely. The uh, Berber guides got their drums out and sang for us for a little while, and then they sort of pushed the drums over and said, okay, now you sing for us, and it was us and several other tourist groups. I don't know about that. But, so our group sang, we sang a few hymns, we had a few hymns in Arabic, and we had a good time, and then they seemed to kind of run out of music. The guides kind of looked at us and like, you can sing for us, go ahead. So one of our friends just started playing the drums extemporaneously and having a gale time. 
I think he just liked making noise. He was having a good time. But then, so Bonnie looked at me and she's like, we're in the desert. We should sing the songs from Aladdin because if she loved anything, it was Disney movies. I'm like, yeah, why not? And But the rest of our group kind of, mm, I don't know about that. So Bonnie and I laid there under the stars in the Sahara with the camels off in the distance, and we sang all the songs from Aladdin all the way through. And we finally finished up, and the guides sort of clapped, and they said, all right, in the morning, you three on camels, the rest of them walking. <laughs> but we all got to ride camels on the way out, which was nice. And you hear it said that Bonnie never complained, and she never, ever did. She was the sweetest person on earth. And if she ever had a reason to complain, it was several days later in Morocco. And I have to tell this story because it's my story with Bonnie. <laughs> and we had traveled to another Berber village way, way out in the sticks. You, know, you think Houghton is the sticks. This is beyond. <clears throat> and we were going to go for a little walk around the village just because there was nothing else to do. And so the guy, you know, the guy whose house we were staying in assured us, oh, you know, two kilometers, we'll go out and see this nice cave. It's an interesting feature, you know, we'll walk you over the hills, it'll be good. But, you know, sure, that sounds fine. You know, it's our home study, we'll have a good time. Well, we got up, and we didn't realize that in this village they didn't have daylight savings time because they were too far out in the country. So we got up an hour before we were supposed to, which was 3 a.m., and came downstairs and looked around and... Our host family wasn't up, and nobody was up, and the chickens were still asleep, and the dog was in the kitchen. All right, so we trooped back upstairs, went back to bed, and then got up an hour later and got ready, packed up the donkeys, and started out on our little two-kilometer loop of the village. Well, two kilometers came and went, and four kilometers came and went, and around 10 o'clock, after we'd been walking four or five hours at this point, sat down, we had some breakfast, packed up the donkey again, and we didn't turn around to go back to the village. We headed out into the mountains, up the mountain, down the mountain, and around the next bend, and over the next mountain. And, you know, it, it's been 8 or 10 kilometers at this point, and it's 100 degrees. We're getting a little low on water, and we've been walking a long time. And we've taken a few turns on the donkeys each, but the donkeys are, you know, very small, so they're not the greatest pack animals on earth. And we finally get to the cave. It's noon. Everybody's exhausted. And Bonnie's still just sitting there cheerily. She made her sandwich, and she ate her sandwich, and we sat in the shade. And she just chattered happily, and there's the birds flying around. And, oh, look, there's a sheep grazing over there. I'm like, Bonnie, there's spiders all over the place on the floor. The, the air is full of midges. There's spiders on the ground. There's no shade. We've been walking 10 or 11 kilometers at this point, and we have 10 or 11 kilometers to go back, at the very least, over the mountains. And she's just as cheery as can be. She was very tired. But we put her on a donkey, and I walked beside her, and we walked, I think it was another 12 kilometers back to the village. So it went from 2 kilometers to, like, 16 miles, give or take, over the Atlas Mountains in the summer. And we ran out of water after lunch. And by the time we got back to the village, the sun was going down, and the paths were really rough and really steep. And she was just the same Bonnie as you'd see her if you met her on the street or you saw her in the on the sidewalk, she was cheery and happy, and she didn't bear a grudge against the guide or Dr. Little, which admittedly <laughs> took me a little longer. <laughs> but we hiked 20 miles in the Moroccan wilderness, and she didn't complain, she didn't change. She was just one of the best friends I've ever had.
Hi, my name is Eva, and I went to Tanzania with Bonnie. Um, in Tanzania, you feel like you get to know people really well, spending so much time with them, and you can tell from far away who people are by their walk or what they're wearing. And I can still picture Bonnie with her high-waisted skirts and her button-down shirts and her braids in her hair. And me being with my straight hair, we would always beg her to take her hair out and see how all the curls looked, but she would just laugh us off and go about her day and wear her hair up in braids every day. And then, um, this is just one memory, at the end of the semester we have our own spot and kind of like a talent night and um, skit night and we dress up for fun and you try and wear the same shirt you've been wearing all semester and make it fancy. And I don't know how she did it, but in walked Bonnie and she was just beautiful. She put her hair down and we were ooing and aahing and of course she laughed it off and just went about her day like it was normal and wore makeup and this beautiful dress which I don't know where it came from but she fit it in her bag and looked gorgeous and then didn't just sit there and watch the talent show. She got up there and performed which I didn't know she performed. No shyness in her. Got up there and sang this song with like hand movements and gusto and I just think of it as you know you think you get to know someone and it's just so unexpected. She had so much joy in life and I loved getting to know her and feel so privileged to have been on that trip with her. So I'm Bunny's cousin and I have a lot of good memories of our times together, but she would always do clay with me and if she was studying when she came over to our house and I wanted to play with her, she would never just send me away. She would always get up and work with me and play with me and she told me about her times in Tanzania and we looked at pictures together. She was just like a big sister to me and I love her so much. Nancy and I haven't known Bonnie as long as most of you have but um, she's just one of those people that really just touched your heart um, and everything that everybody has said about her is so true and she just makes us all want to be a better person and be a better person and I think because I'm not there yet my only complaint is that now I have to get a cat so <laughs> So uh, I'm JC. I had the pleasure of getting to know Bonnie, I think, about three years ago during my sophomore year here. Um, I didn't really get to know her in a class context at first, but it was through Bible study. And one of the things you'll notice first about the Szymanskis is they're the most open, loving people in the world. Um, they'll come right up and greet you, big open hug, open arms. Um, and I got to know Bonnie in that context, and her hospitality was incredible. Um, we'd come up to Bible study, and I'd usually come in right after a workout, dripping in sweat in the middle of winter, smelling awful. And she'd just be like, oh, come in, come in. And there would be, like, fresh 
baked goods on the table and I'd have one sheepishly and she'd be like, you can have five more and <laughs> thrust the plate on me. And usually she'd send me off with more desserts. Um, and she'd even hug me, even though I was sweaty and disgusting. Um, and me and a bunch of my friends were in Bible study and me and my friends have a bunch of faults, but one of the ones is we tend to be a little too intellectual for our own good. So we'd be talking about Romans and get stuck on like the third definition of a strange declension of an esoteric Greek verb, or we'd be talking about Exodus and we'd end up talking about the implications of liberation theology for the global economic structure. Um, and Bonnie just had this wonderful way of sitting there quietly, never even shook her head that I saw, and, you know, just bring us back down to the basics or, you know, tell us this story about in Nigeria and just everything about her illustrated the childlike faith. I remember when I got to visit her um, while she was still at home after having cancer, she mentioned that she was watching Veggie Tales, and it was just like, oh, that takes me back. Um, but everything about her was just built on this trust that she wasn't in control. That was why when we were all worried about esoteric verbs, she was like, you know, God's got this even if I don't read Greek. And her whole life was just dedicated to service and to loving others. And I never saw anything on her but a smile on her face, open arms, and a childlike face that I wish I could emulate more. Um, everybody has talked about how much Bunny loved Nigeria, and I think I'm the only Nigerian here, <laughs> apart from you guys. <laughs> but she loved Nigeria so much, and I remember the first time I met her, she just looked at me like I was family. It was like, yay! And I, I had forgotten most of, most of the culture in Nigeria. She reminded me and made me feel like Nigeria came to Houghton, which doesn't happen but <laughs> but she's such a blessing and she was someone that she was just natural she was herself and it was such a blessing to know her and to know the entire family anyone else Thank you so much for sharing your memories. And I encourage you over the next few days to continue um, sharing memories of Bonnie with the Szymanskis through speaking to them, a phone call, a, a note, um, to remind them of uh, Bonnie in our lives and how God used her to, for in so many of of our lives each and every day.
to read from the fourth chapter of Philippians, beginning at verse 4. Hear the word of the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. It's never supposed to be this way. The young are supposed to outlive the old. The young are the ones to whom we turn over the reins of the world when we get old. The young are just beginning to figure out life while the old are trying to help them understand. The young are supposed to live not die. It, it's just not supposed to be this way. And yet, here we are. Here we are gathered in this place because a young woman we love and admire and shared life with has died. And in this moment, we are left with all kinds of questions and very few answers. We're here with a whole bunch of whys and very few becauses. We're here today wondering how to feel, what to say, what to think, how to respond. And in this moment of wondering, we turn to these words from the Apostle Paul that Jim and Karen requested to be read today. You know, it's significant that Paul writes Philippians from a Roman prison, and yet one of the central themes of this letter is joy. I think that's important because though we come today because of death, we have reason to rejoice. We rejoice because in God's grace and mercy, we were blessed with more than 23 years of life with Bonnie. We have heard a number of remembrances this afternoon about the various ways in which Bonnie affected our lives. Many of you are here today because of her sweet spirit, her love for people, her love for life. Cindy and I were amazed every time we went to the hospital to see her. And despite her condition, a condition that, quite frankly, would cause many people to become angry and bitter that she was still just as sweet to us and to her family, to every visitor, and to every person who treated her. 
She was a beautiful child of God. Her life exuded the words that Paul writes in verse 5 here. Let your gentleness be evident to all. And she certainly was gentle. But it's not that she couldn't take a stand or that she didn't have a backbone. She, she did have a backbone. She could take a stand and she did. She was a strong person. I, I still remember the day after church, she told me that she was getting ready to go to Israel on a dig. And I asked her who she was going with. And she said, I'm going by myself. I thought, wow, I don't think I would do that. And she was just excited about it and, and no fear. And I, and I know that she stood tall for Jesus Christ in moments when it, that was called for. She was a young woman of courage. Jim and Karen like to talk about her being a warrior. The cover on the casket is a replica of, of the shield of Captain America, and she loved that movie. She loved what Captain America stood for as a person of honor and integrity and strength. And Bonnie had that ability to blend gentleness and truth and backbone, the ability to be a gentle warrior. And when she spoke the truth, it was in love. And it was with a graciousness and a gentleness that made you listen. But whether we talk about her as having a warrior spirit or a gentle soul, it's important for us to understand that everything we saw in Bonnie's life ultimately came down to her relationship with Jesus Christ. She wasn't just sweet because she was born with that personality. And she didn't have a love for what is right and true because she couldn't do anything else. It was because at an early age, she surrendered her life to Jesus. Her life was all about Jesus, living for Jesus, serving Jesus, drawing people to Jesus. She believed that Jesus was God and that he came into the world to be the means by which our sins are forgiven. She believed what the scriptures teach us and what people through the ages have witnessed to us, that all who surrender to the love of Christ are forgiven and set free to live in the love of God. I think she would be the first to tell us that surrendering our lives to Christ is not easy. We all like to maintain control of our lives. But it's always best. Because we are surrendering ourselves to the one who truly loves us and cares for us and wants what is eternally best for us. To surrender to Christ is to really surrender to love. To surrender to Christ is to give up some things that we may want in order to receive the great things that God desires to give. As Lewis writes in The Weight of Glory, talks about how we hold so tightly to the things of this world that provide at best a fleeting pleasure when all the while infinite joy is offered to us. 
He says it's like a, an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the author offer of a holiday at the sea. It's because of Bonnie's relationship with Christ, because she surrendered her life to Christ, that we know she is now with Jesus. And this truth means that even though we feel sorrow for our loss, we rejoice in her gain. And I'm convinced that what she is experiencing now is more than we can dream or imagine. I was out with our, with our dog earlier this week. It was one of those clear, crisp, cold nights. Stars everywhere in the sky. And as I was gazing up at the sky, I, I thought about Bonnie. I thought about what it must be like for her now. I thought about what it's like to be in the presence of the risen living Christ. I thought about the images and revelation of of thrones and crowns of, of people from every nation and tribe and language coming together to experience what we were created to experience, to enjoy and worship God forever. And all I could think of was, it must be so awesome, so much more awesome than my little mind can comprehend. And Bonnie is right there in the middle of it. See, it's because we know our Redeemer lives and that all who surrender to Him also live that though we feel sorrow and pain and we have this sense of sadness and heartache, we can still have peace. The one who created and redeemed and has now welcomed Bonnie to Himself is the same one who fills our lives with peace even in our grief and pain and our sorrow and our loss. Paul speaks of peace twice in this brief passage. He says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then he says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. And I am convinced that the God of peace is with us today. Helping us. Giving us strength and hope. Not just for the days to come, but for this day too. Today is not just about Bonnie about her life and her relationship with Jesus Christ. It's also about us, about our lives and our relationship with Jesus Christ. About Christ who transformed Bonnie's life and yearns to transform ours.
Christ who, who filled her life with meaning and purpose and who yearns to fill our lives with meaning and purpose. Christ who gave Bonnie a heart for, for people all over the world yearns to give us a heart of love for all people too. If we will surrender our lives to Christ as she did, we can know that kind of life. The death of a young person creates many questions and honestly few good answers. So much we don't know, so much we don't understand, so many uncertainties that quite probably will remain with us as long as we live on this earth. But this we do know, and we know it with complete and total certainty, despite our pain and, and, our, and our grief and our questions and our concerns, we know that God is good. And the God who is good and merciful is the God who always does what is best for us. When others fail us, He will never fail us. When life turns on us, He promises to never leave us nor forsake us. When people are erratic and uncertain, He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And everything about Bonnie's life, everything we're talking about today really boils down to this. We can trust God. Despite the painful, troubling, unexplainable turns of life, we can trust Him because He's good and He's gracious and He loves us. Maybe if Bonnie could say anything to us today, it might be this. You'll never go wrong following Christ. You will never regret surrendering your life to Jesus. He's good. He's loving. You can trust Him with your life. And maybe today you have been wrestling with your willingness to trust your life to Christ. Today would be a perfect moment to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you are a disciple of Jesus, but you're wrestling with your future. Wrestling with following God's leading on your life. Maybe particularly as it relates to, to His call to serve Him wherever he may lead you. What a fitting tribute to Bonnie for this to be the moment when you surrender your future to Jesus. I know the Szymanskis would love for this to be a moment for us to, to ponder our response, to give you a chance to respond and to pray. So if you would like to surrender your life to Christ either for the first time or as you ponder your future, I'm going to ask you to stand where you are. 
And as you stand, I'm going to ask those around you to stand and to lay hands on you. And we want to pray for you. So if, you, if today you would like to, to surrender your life to Christ, I'm going to ask you to stand. And if there are those who stand, I'm going to ask those near them to stand with them. Father, we thank you for your goodness and mercy. We thank you for your grace of love that reaches into our lives, reaches into Bonnie's life and changed her, and reaches into ours and changes us. Father, I pray for all who are surrendering themselves to you today. We pray that they will know the peace of your presence, the joy of relationship with you, and the privilege of following you wherever you lead them. May your grace be upon each of us today. We pray this through Jesus. Amen. Christ alone will I glory, though I could pride myself in battles won. For I've been blessed beyond measure, and by His strength alone I overcome. Oh, I could stop and count successes like diamonds in my hand. But those trophies could not equal to the grace by which I stand in Christ alone. I place my trust and find my glory in the power of the cross. In every victory, let it be said of me, my soul of strength, my source of hope is Christ alone. In Christ alone will I glory, for only by His grace I am redeemed. Only His tender mercy could reach beyond my weakness to my Seek no greater honor than 
just to know him more and to count my gains but losses to the glory of my Lord in Christ alone I place my trust and find my glory in the power of the cross in every victory let it be said of me my source of strength my source of Stand with me for the benediction and the song that follows. Father, we thank you for being here with us today. The ways in which your spirit has spoken into our hearts. We thank you for your servant, Bonnie. And we place her in your hands. We pray your grace and mercy upon all who feel the sorrow of today most deeply. And we ask for your peace. As we go from this place, we pray your blessing upon the food that we will share and the fellowship together. May it continue to be healing for our souls. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen.